Well, if you turn to 1 Corinthians 13, we will finish the rest of 1 Corinthians in our time this morning. And I promise I won't keep you till 1230. So, uh, but we'll get, we'll get through it. I uh, knew that we were going to have a uh, shortened time this morning. So we're just finishing up uh, the last of 1 Corinthians 13, looking at cultivating the gospel lifestyle. The gospel is, as we've been talking about, is our priority as a church, but also as members in the church and as individuals that make up the church. This building, uh, the sound system, the instruments, uh, programs don't make the church. We make up the church. We are the bride of Christ. And so that's something interesting. I told you that once before. When we talk about the church... Remember, you're talking about God's bride. So we can either discredit or destroy or create disunity amongst his bride, or we can make his bride look bad, or we can be a part of building up the body of Christ to present Christ a beautiful bride. And that's our responsibility as church members, as as we attend church, as we come together as the body, is to build up the body of Christ. Well, how do we do that? We do it by cultivating the gospel. You know, the Bible poignantly says, what you plant or you will reap. What you sow, you'll reap. So if we're going around planting lots of seed in the gospel, in our relationships with each other in the church, we will then begin to sow seeds of the gospel outside of the church. But if we make everything about our, our priorities or our position on things, we, you'll find it's very hard to share the gospel. The good news that Jesus came to pay for our sins. He took our bad, replaced it with his good, so that way we can have our sin paid for and have a relationship with Christ. This is our priority. And so that's why the gospel is essential. It is also only effective when it becomes, a, when we pattern it after God rather than after ourselves. And it, if we make church, we make coming to church, we make our relationship with God all about us, we will eclipse the gospel and we will ruin the gospel. And so this morning, we want to read God's word and we want to look at, well, why, why is love the greatest? Why is God's love the gospel love. Why do I say gospel love? Because it's not love like we see today. This is God's love. This is love that comes from God. That is, that is, it's supernatural love. It is sacrificial love. It is his love that's defined by him that is not defined by our culture or by us. It's not social justice. It's not just being kind to people. It's truly being sacrificial. It's patterning our life after the Lord. Imitate Christ. Hopefully you can imitate me as I imitate Christ. And if I don't imitate Christ, then don't imitate me. But imitate Christ. And that's the idea. So why is this so amazing? Why is his love so important? Well, that's what we want to discover today. And let's pray and ask God to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to teach us. Lord, pray that beyond all everything that we've said and done, 
Lord, that you will get the honor and glory and that you will help us to not be distracted. Lord, use your spirit to work within us to see your glory and to see you presented in the text this morning, that your word would be used as a scalpel to identify problems, not so we can look down on one another or look down on our church, but that we can grow and to become more effective with the gospel. We can become more effective of helping and healing one another and then, and then taking this good news to our community to help and to make disciples, teaching them to obey all that you have commanded so then we could take it around the world and be effective, not just in our community, but around the world through the power of your Holy Spirit and the power through your love that's demonstrated by the gospel. Lord, I pray that it will impact our hearts and our minds for Christ Jesus this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's read 1 Corinthians 13 and just let's look at verses 10 through 13 this morning. It says, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man... I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but when I shall know, when I shall know, just as I also am known. And now abides faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now don't forget verse 1 of chapter 14. Pursue love. It's interesting. If you could book in this chapter, start in verse 31 of 12 and end in verse 1 of chapter 14. Love is the greatest. It's interesting. Uh, is, you know, Muhammad Ali used to spout off, I'm the greatest. And he was always, you know, those of you that are old enough to remember who Muhammad Ali is, but he was just talking about running around saying how great he is. We should be doing the same thing, but be saying God's love is the greatest. His gospel, the good news. We should be, ju- we should be more boisterous, more excited, more energized by this love. And the idea here is Paul ends his thought and looking at a church who had all of these problems, 15 plus major issues, involved in the Corinthian church. They were devoid of God's love. They were devoid of really gospel ministry. They were worshiping this facade of gifts and of miraculous things. They were focusing on all that they could do. They were focusing on worshiping like the pagans worship. And they were really confused as what real worship and real church was like. And right Smack dab, he says, here is the point of it all, is the gospel. And the thing is, as Paul ends and he says, the expectation, which is really our mandate, is to love. And it's to love, it's to pursue the gospel with each other. To realize that we are not good. And and it impacts the way we look at each other. We don't compare with one another who's better we don't look at who does things better we 
We look at how we can love one another, sacrifice for one another, build up one another, support one another. All of these things, it's our mandate. It's important to realize this is our mandate as a church. And Colossians 3.14, it says, put on love. 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow after love or pursue love. Philippians 1.9, abound much in love. Hebrews 13.1, continue in love. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, increase in love, continually increase in love. 1 Peter 4.8, be fervent in love. Philippians 2.2, be consistent in love. Hebrews 10.24, provoke each other to love. We like to provoke one another, don't we? Right? We poke each other. We know something irritates somebody, so we do it anyway. That's the way it is at my house. That's how I, 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 I poke my wife. You know? my, wife my, my kids still get a kick out of it because they're like, any normal person would get smacked right now. How do you get away with it? Uh, but I just poke her, even though I know it bugs her, and until I get that smile out of her, and then I'm like, okay, I'll stop. So <laughs> here's the thing. Provoke one another not to envy, strife, bitterness, anger, but provoke them to love. Hebrews 10.24, 2 Corinthians 8.8, 8, be sincere in love. This is our mandate all through Scripture is to love the way that God has loved us. In Romans, uh, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God never started loving us because we were perfect or good. He loved us because we needed to be loved in order to have a relationship with Him. In order to really function as a church, we have to love. In order to enjoy church properly, we have to be much about love. There's three things that we see in these three verses as we end. In verse 11, um, because it expels immaturity. I love, this was fun. It says in verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, I did childish things. And it says, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Which is very interesting. As my wife is always wondering when I'm going to put away those childish things. My back hurts because of childish things. But was this morning I was getting up to come up to preach, and I was like, oh, I was like too much playing outside uh, with the grass. <laughs> but putting away childish, how do we put away childish things? What's interesting in our context here is God's love. How do we put away childish things in the church? Childish arguments, childish walking away and saying, I'm not going to have anything to do with that church anymore. How do we get rid of that? It says here, it's love. The greatest is God's love. Listen to Ephesians. it's, It's wrapping up 1 Corinthians 13 in a nutshell in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. It says, in verse 12, it says, he talks about he gave different gifts for this reason to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. So our measure and our stature, what we're pursuing to be built up into, we're measuring is Christ. That's our measure. Not some other church, not some other ministry, not other programs, 
that are going on, not what they're doing in pol politics or not some social justice. Our measure is Christ. Verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, or by craftiness and deceitful schemes. But rather, speak the truth in love that uh, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is a head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, making the body grow as so to build itself, itself up in love. We, love helps us to not be childish. I mean, just read chapter 1, 2, and 3 of 1 Corinthians. And Paul is like, look, I should be presenting you a nice steak meal. But because you're being so childish, I have to go back and feed you the bottle again. Right? That, I mean, when, when you're farming and you're raising a small animal without a mother, it's great. I mean, you need to give it some milk. High protein, high fat content, so it'll grow quickly in the beginning. But in the hopes is that it starts to eat something more solid so you don't have to sit there and attend to all its childish needs. You know, that's what I hope. I don't want to go out there and have to constantly feed my animals milk every day. I mean, I would never get to church. It, it, you know, if that's the way it was for my kids or for my animals, it would, be, it would be ridiculous. But that's the way it is sometimes in church. We have to constantly put out fire after fire after fire after fire because we're dealing with lots of childish things. The answer is, is pursuing Christ, pursuing His love. Are you more focused on His love for you or for what other people can do for you. Because people will always let you down. In church, outside of church, at jobs, in school. I, you know, kids already figured that out. You know, teachers, we make mistakes and they let you down. You know, I love it when they say, oh, I'm not going to give you a test. And then they come right back and give you a test. It's like, wait a minute, you just lied to me. And they just have this big grin on their face, right? Uh, sometimes we're like, the teachers have it out for me. But here's the deal is, is we have to pursue God's love at all costs if we are going to be effective as a body of Christ. The second one there is this, is that we got to, why is love the greatest? Because it is the enabling, it does all the enabling for us. It enables us while we wait for a greater knowledge. In verse 12 it says, but now we see in a mirror dimly, Back in the olden days, back in during the time of Corinth, all they did was they would shine up metal. Um, and depending on how rich you were, you had shinier metal. And the richer you were, so the, the more you're, you're, you shined. And so when you looked, and I don't know about you, but have you ever shined a piece of metal and then tried to look at it in the mirror? It's amazing because I would never know what I looked like in that mirror. I, I, when I was in Israel, we would go... And actually, when I backpacked down into Egypt, they, they had some examples in the museum of these mirrors. And I, we, would, we would laugh because I'd look this way and I'd look, you know, thin. And I'd look this way and I'd be nice and plump. And then I'd look this way and I'd be like all sorts of different figures. And in any different direction I looked, I looked different. 
So I could choose what day I'm going to look. I was like, if I'm feeling bad about myself, I'm going to look at it this way today. <laughs> but that's the way that they, that's what it's talking about. The mirror was just dim. It wasn't perfect. Knowledge, our knowledge that we have of God, our knowledge of life is very dim. It's just like that polished metal. It it gets distorted a lot based on the circumstances of our life. It's very distorted. One day knowledge looks one way and it can look a different way. But God's truth and his love is firm. It enables us to make it in life to help us to see God's word and his truth correctly, this love that's from God enables us to live life while we're living in this dim view of knowledge until we get to see God face to face. I like Ephesians 3, 7 and 19. It says, in a prayer, Paul is praying for the church. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Love enables us to deal with all things in an imperfect world. When things are just dim, God's love helps enable us to overcome everything, every obstacle. Why is love, God's love, gospel love greatest? Is because it excels over all other spiritual blessings. When we look at verse 13, and it says, abide faith, hope, and love, faith is a great thing. We talk about it. Paul writes on faith all the time. Grow in your faith. Grow in your understanding of the Lord. Grow in your trust of God. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Right? And he'll make your path straight. We're supposed to have lots of trust and hope. Hope is a great thing because our hope is built on what is true and solid. We know that Christ is going to return. And we have this great hope. And we have, it's not a hope of, well, I hope it's going to happen. It's hope that I know it's going to happen. We have faith and we have hope. And, but Paul says, but the greatest of these, the out, glimpse, you know, that outshines everything is love. In fact, the more that you love and you focus on the gospel and you focus on God's love and how he loved you, it grows your faith. And if you focus on love and God's love and what he's done for you, it gives you greater hope and more, a more sure foundation. It excels God's love excels over everything. Even those giants of faith and hope. I was reading a, a story the other day. And it again, it shows the whole idea of this. It reminds me of Moody, by the way, the, the Sioux salesman that now has a seminary and a church that marks his name. But... Here's the thing is, if I ever die and anybody ever wants to name something, name it something that belongs to God, not me. <laughs> so I don't want people to know, remember me. I want them to remember Christ. Here's the thing. 
But listen to this. There was a man who only had an eighth grade education, but this man wanted to be a soul winner. God had laid a brilliant attorney on his heart, somebody that he knew, and he was an amazing attorney. Obeying the Lord, he went to talk to the lawyer about Jesus Christ. But no sooner had he started talking, the lawyer began to basically put him down, basically using all of his knowledge, all of his wisdom, refuting everything that this man said about the Lord, and just shot down every argument that this man had. As he left, he turned and he just looked at the man, dejected, and he said this. He said, I just wanted you to know that I came because I love you. Dejected, he went home to his wife and he said, I don't want any phone calls. I don't, I don't want to see anybody. I'm just going to go to my room. I want to be alone for a while. And he says, I feel like such a failure. I couldn't win, I couldn't win this man to Christ. About an hour later, the man showed up. The lawyer showed up at the man's door and knocked and asked his wife if he could go in and see her husband. And she says, well, my husband's not seeing anybody. He's just being by himself. And he goes, oh, I think he'll want to see me. Just tell him who I am. And so she went and told her husband. He said, sure, I'll see him. So she invited him in, and they sat in the living room. And, and he said, why have you come? Have you come to make more fun of me? Have you come to argue with me again? You know I can't argue with you. And the lawyer said, no, I haven't come to argue with you. I have come to ask you to tell me how to be saved. The man replied, I don't understand. What changed your mind? Every time I tried to tell you about Jesus, you came up with an argument that I couldn't answer. The lawyer said, yes, I did. You, you came up with an argument that I couldn't answer. The soul winner looked at him and said, well, what was that? And the lawyer said, you lo- you looked, when you looked at me and told me that you loved me, I couldn't argue with that. This is the point, guys. In, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, Paul says, pursue love. Pursue love. It is a strong verb. Guys, we have to make much of the gospel. We have to make much. We have to be in full pursuit of Christ. We have to. Without it, church is just a waste of our time. We will not see anything happen or change in in church. We want church to change. I'm telling you, here's the point. Pursue love. And not just any love, God's love. We have to pursue the gospel. We can worship the window dressings. We can worship the scaffolding. But we'll miss the whole point of worshiping what God created through Christ when he died on the cross for our sins. We have to love the way that God loves. Listen to Paul's plea to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 3, verses 8 through 16, and we're done. But just because I said we're done, don't stop listening. <laughs> I always say, I, 
I always hate that. When I saw the pastor close the Bible, I just, my ears turned off. Don't turn your ears off. My Bible hasn't closed yet. Philippians 3, 8 through 16. Paul's saying to the church, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I have suffered the loss of all things and counted them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. There is nothing more important to Paul than Christ. And being found in Him, verse 9, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His suffering, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible, in verse 11, I love that, by any means possible, that means right there, being willing to, Humble yourself and apologize or ask for forgiveness. By any means possible, willing to forgive somebody that you absolutely hate or misunderstand or whatever it is, any means possible, Paul is saying to the church, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on. Same wording there as in our text that I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me His own. Do you understand? I'm doing this. I'm pursuing this. I'm I'm pressing to know Christ, to to live Christ, to live the way Christ lived. I'm doing it because He did it for me. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. He says, I'm not perfect. I haven't got it all figured out. I haven't. I'm telling you, this is what we got to do. And I'm still trying to do it, he's saying. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straying forward for what lies ahead, I press on. That, there's that verb again. Pursuing Christ. Or I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal it that also to you. I love, to me, this is Paul's sarcasm at best. Hey, if you're not mature and you're not thinking this way, don't worry. God will reveal it to you someday. But verse 16, only let us hold true to what we have attained. What is that? That is the gospel, God's love for us. That God took this sinner. He lived a perfect life to pay for my imperfect life. When, when God revealed that to me, by faith I repented and turned to Christ. I traded in my life for His life. Not so that way people could serve me, but that I can serve Christ. I, when we look at these, wor- these words here in verse 14, Philippians 3, I press on towards the goal of the prize of the upper call. But I mean, sorry, verse 13, it says, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and I move forward. You guys, whatever is in your mind about things that have happened in church, things that have happened outside of church, related to church, or things that are happening in other churches, can I encourage you, would you put all of that behind you? 
That is my plea as your new pastor. Whatever is in your mind about church, put it, that's the past. Would you please join with me for pressing on for our prize in Christ? Would you make that your prize? Would you pursue Christ with me? And, and we all have to make much of Christ. Will you get excited about Christ? Would you present that excitement to others around you? I, I, I'm with you. If I come to church every week and I look at everybody and I just focus on what everybody, what they do or they don't do, I would get depressed. I would have a hard time sharing that with people. But when I go around sharing about church, I say, come and learn about Christ. He saved me. He is still helping me. He is still loving me. His love isn't just dead or stopped because he saved me. He's continuing to take this imperfect pastor who, who makes mistakes, and he's molding him into something better. And I get to share that with people. Don't come because our church is perfect. Come because we have a perfect Savior. Would you present that to people? To pursue, what is your highest prize? A good-looking church or an amazing Savior? One is not supernatural. One is. Would you pursue Christ? Would you excel at that? Pursue God's love. And that was demonstrated to us through Christ dying on the cross for our sins. That's the good news. Let's spread that more than anything else. And you'll be surprised what God does to his church when it loves him more than they love themselves or the culture around them. He does amazing things. And be ready to begin all these new ministries to support what God does. As God does it, he will supply the need and he'll give us the strength to do it. If we make much of him, let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to, to make much of Christ, to make much of you, to allow the Holy Spirit to use us. Lord, may we never stop realizing that you are the most important thing every day, every minute, every moment. May we pursue you. Lord, I still as if if someone here has not come to you and say, you know, I am a sinner and I've never given my life to Christ and they need to repent and turn to you and say, Lord, I need you to save me. Lord, that they would cry out to you. And Lord, that you would save them today. Would as we sing and as we close the service, that they would just, Lord, pray to you and, and say, Lord, save me. Forgive me of my sins. I am here and I recognize that you're the only way to salvation to be saved in this life from our sins that we might live in the coming days for eternity with you. Lord, I pray that you would do that. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that you will make it our heart's desire to, to proclaim you, to promote you, to excel in sharing your love and to being uh, sharing our love not just outside the church, but in the church with each other. Willing to forgive, willing to love and to forget in what, what happened in the past and then move forward and to learn how to love better. And Lord, to be taught by you. 
Lord, I pray that would be our heart's desire. Lord, you are worthy of all praise, worthy to, be, to receive glory and to, Lord, all our singing and all our prayer, Lord, you are our God, our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for reaching down and loving us who are just sinners and dying on the cross for our sins. Lord, we proclaim you risen and alive and alive here today. Lord, may we listen to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.